0: Amen. Amen. What's your name, sweetie? Yeah. What? Jamima? Did I say that right? Did you guys see how enthusiastic she was? That's how I want all of you to be every time you sing to Jesus. Amen? Man, that was so great. I loved it. Let's let's affirm them again. Let's thank our kids again for that. I'd like to think that all these people came here to, uh, to see me, but the church is smart. They knew that if they invited you, then a lot of people would show up and make me feel like I was special, so, so uh, thank you smart people for doing that, but I'm on to you. If this is how full it's going to be all the time, then we need some missionaries to first service. I'll just say that now, too. Um, it's a good turnout, but we'll take some more. They gave me this lovely boutonniere. I want to, whoever gave this to me, thank you. I don't have it on because um, I don't know how to sit still or, or stand still. And uh, I'm a little too frenetic for it. And I was a little worried that I'd bang it all up. And then I'd be thinking about how I messed it up the whole time. Um, there's this thing called ADD. You might have heard of it. And uh, my wife and many other professionals have said I have it. So, uh, So I can't be distracted by by much. Uh, I'm so glad to be here with you all today. And I bring greetings from my beautiful wife. And uh, she will be here in January. And you will meet her then. Um, I found something. I want to bring it out here. I found something that drastically altered my life. Uh, It says, Chad. I found this when I was cleaning out my office back in Visalia. It says, Chad, 414 Ed Zinke 301-980 I won't give you the rest of it. Uh, said he left you a voicemail, but cut off before leaving his phone number. Signed KR as my secretary out there telephoned. I was like, oh, I know that name, Ed Zinke. Why is he calling me? And he called me, and he said, Can you submit a resume uh, for the Spencerville Pastoral Search Committee? He said well, I'll have to ask my wife if I can do that, and so. Uh, I took her to yogurt and uh, at yogurt land, frozen yogurt. And I said, hey, we got a call, what do you thinking? And Or not a call, a call about an inquiry. And uh, she said, well, maybe this is one we should, we should submit a resume. Um, normally we said no because our plan was always to stay in California. Uh, I don't know if you know, it's 75 degrees there. But, um, and it'll be 75 degrees in January too. God bless them. <laughs> but uh, I said, well, 60 some people, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> and then at 20 some people, I said, you want me to remove my name? She said, uh, yes, but I think you should leave it. So I left it. And then at eight, you want me to remove my name? And at four, and here we are. So. Thank you for the invitation, glad to be here with you all. Um, If I look and I seem a little tired, it's because I am. Uh, That wonderful 75 degree weather only took, uh, set in after uh, several hours of fog. My flight was supposed to leave yesterday morning at 5.30, so I was up at 3.30 getting ready, and, um, or up, yeah, up at 2.30 getting ready, so I could leave at 3.30, get to the airport at 4.30, be on my plane to leave at 5.30 and we sat on the tarmac for three hours. So I missed my connection to Baltimore, so they rerouted me to Dulles. I got in a little after 10 something last night. And uh, then I got to the hotel, and uh, Hotels.com forgot to tell them that I was coming. Uh, And uh, they only gave me $60 back, but uh, I think they owe me a lot more, because it was late and I was tired, after being up since 2.30. And so at 12.45 last night, I laid down in my bed, So, if I seem a little tired, up this morning at five, if I seem a little tired, there'd be a reason why, so. uh, But I'm glad to be here with you all nonetheless, and and thank you for having me. Let's pray again. Jesus, thank you so much for your grace towards us. Thanks for giving us the opportunity to be in this place today. In your name, amen. I wanna invite you to open up your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter one. And while you're turning there, I want to say that I am so grateful that Jesus is so so much more patient than I am, such, a, such a, a far more patient individual than I. I don't know about the rest of you that are parents. I have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, and a six-year-old, 22 months and 25 months apart. Um, we thought that would be a good idea. Let's all have our kids all at once. And, and a lot of you... A lot of people like you didn't warn us that that was a dumb idea. And uh, so, um, it's been quite, it's quite a challenge at times, and I find myself more times than I would like to admit, I find myself scolding them for not listening. Anyone ever scolded your kids for not listening? Ever? You ever been scolded kids for not listening? Yes, all right, good. You all listen to me, don't make me scold you now, okay? Um, Truly, sometimes I'm just so, so impatient, and my boys, they ask me a a question, and rather than just responding gently or giving them the answer, sometimes I'll say something like, how many times have you asked me this question? To which my sons may reply a lot, and then I'll ask, and what was the answer I gave you last time? And if they answer the question right, I will say, well, there you go, very condescending like, or if they say, we can't remember, again, when I'm really working hard to, to come in in last place of Dad of the Year, I'll say something to the effect of, well, you should have paid attention last time, shouldn't you? Um, one of the boxes that they put was was a good parent on the search committee, and uh, someone checked that box, yet, box yes, and I, I'm, I'm good at trying to be a good parent. I don't always end up being very successful, but but I say that to my son sometimes, and. And I praise Jesus that he is so much more patient than I am and probably so much more patient than most of us. In the book of Acts chapter 1, Jesus and his followers are assembled together. Uh, There's something significant about this gathering, something very important about this gathering. It is the last time that they will physically be together uh, on this earth before Jesus' ascension up into heaven. And so this is a very significant moment here and in this moment, the disciples decide to ask Jesus a question. It is a question that I would respond by saying, how many times have you asked that question? And what was my answer last time? Well there you go, it's the same as this last time. But, but Jesus, praise him, he's so much more patient and gentle than, than I am. In verse 6, Acts chapter 1, verse 6, the Bible says, therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, in case you're Folk, you're not aware the reason why I would be frustrated with this question. I'd be frustrated with this question because Jesus has spent three and a half years with these individuals and over the course of those three and a half years, as far as my reading and understanding of the scripture, he has been very, 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 very clear about something. He's been very clear about the fact that his kingdom that he's establishing is not this earthly kingdom. In fact, probably some of you know uh, some of those, those same things that Jesus said. He wasn't vague about this point at all. He said, my kingdom is not of this, what? A little louder. My kingdom is not of this? Oh, I want you to do the same enthusiasm as our dear sister up there. Our kingdom is not of this? There we go. My kingdom is not of this world. And, and in another place, Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you, I, what? go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus was very clear about this. Jesus made it very clear that he wasn't planning on setting up a kingdom in their backyard, an earthly kingdom in this sense. Yet the disciples returned to this question and they asked the Lord again, Lord, will you at this time establish, will you restore the kingdom of Israel? As John Calvin once said, there are many, there are as many errors in this question as there are words, and we'll get to those in just a minute. But first, I wanna share with you the response of Jesus, the response that Jesus gives to this question. Remember, this is the question that I would say, if you want to know the answer to that, you should have paid attention the other 20 times I told you about this. But Jesus doesn't say that to them, he's very gracious. And in verse seven, he says, it is not for you to know the times and the, or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Verse eight, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So Jesus does not chastise them, He is not condescending to them, he responds gently and promises them, not just any old gift, but, a, but an awesome gift, a powerful gift, the power of the Holy Spirit. I thank Jesus that he is so much more patient with us than we are with one another or that we are with our kids. But back now to the problems with the question that was put before Jesus. Besides being a question that Jesus had had been very clear about in the past, there are problems also with the, the verb and there's problems with the noun and there's problems with the adverbial clause within this question. First, they say, Jesus, Lord, will you restore at this time, will will at this time you restore the kingdom to Israel? The verb restore shows that they were expecting an earthly kingdom that had already previously occupied territory uh, there on the earth. They they were looking for for an earthly kingdom, something that had already previously existed. Will you now restore the kingdom of Israel? They're looking for something that already previously existed existed sometimes we are like that as a church we don't want anything new we want what was before and we want to just keep things the way they are we want to restore the old things that that were but 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 this is how they were they were wanting something to be restored something that was here on this earth already there's something wrong with the noun as well the noun will you not, lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to israel israel shows an inward nationalistic focus it shows a an inward way of thinking. It shows an shows a inward mindset. Their, their focus was on themselves. Will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? They were saying, this is about us, right, Jesus? Everything that you've done is really about, about us. It's about who we are and, and what we've done. It's about, it's about the, our, our nation and our people and, and people like us, right, Jesus? This is for us. It's a self-centered way of thinking. And then there's a problem as well with the adverbial clause. Will you restore at this time? Shows us that they were expecting Jesus to, at that point in time, to immediately set up this kingdom. Sometimes we want things immediately, right? We're, we're, the the more generations go along, the more we are a right now kind of uh, world. I actually went to someone's house who had dial-up internet. Do any of you even know what that is? I mean, it took me a minute to open a web page. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of in my life. And I told them so. They're a family member, so I could be rude to them. And I told them, I told them, let's move into a new generation, you know. Let's move on. Why, we want something now. We want it immediately. We want things right then. They wanted, Jesus, you've done your thing, you you lived, you died, you you were raised from the dead, now restore to us at this time, Israel. We want want our our kingdom, we want our our power here. What I find amazing here is that in all of this theological air of the disciples, Luke doesn't tell us about Jesus going into a long lecture or even a short parable to to straighten them out. No. No. Jesus simply says, more knowledge about such things is not for you to know at this time. More knowledge is not what you really need. And then he, he shares with them a, 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 a phrase. He, he unloads on them what R.C. Sproul calls the great thematic passage of the book of Acts. Where their focus truly should be. You see, their focus is on Israel. Their focus is on their own power, really, in, in some ways. But Jesus is saying, here's where your focus actually needs to be, verse eight. This is our key text, Acts chapter one and verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Brothers and sisters, I want, I want you all to think about the significance of this statement in the context of the moment that it was shared by Jesus. In the context of the setting that they were in. Remember what I shared with you earlier. This is the last time they will be in the physical presence with Jesus. This is the last time Jesus and them will be in the physical presence together before he ascends up into heaven. How do we know that? We know that by verse nine. What does verse nine say? Now when he had spoken these things while they washed, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. That was it. Jesus was gone. Jesus says, right before he goes, he says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. You're to go be witnesses. Boom, he's gone. That's the last words that Jesus spoke to them. Last words, folks, are very, very important. Some of you have had loved ones that have died, and you remember that last conversation that you had with them. You remember that last, uh, that, that la- those last words they spoke to you. Some of you have, have, have met someone who's, who's famous or, or powerful and you remember that encounter and you could recite to all of us almost verbatim what they said to you. I remember I met someone who once who, who met Bill Clinton and he was a staunch Republican and he told me, but for those two minutes I was a Democrat and I would have voted for him right then. <laughs> and he told me exactly what Bill Clinton said and guess what, he's told me that story three times. We remember these last words, we say things. When when we're conversing with someone and we're about to leave their presence, when your kids are about to leave your presence for a sustained amount of time, you communicate something to them that you want them to hear. If you're going out of town, you say, make sure you feed the what? Dog or the cat or whatever it may be, why? Because you don't want to come home to a dead dog or a dead cat, right? So you say something, Make sure I want to put this in their brain right before I leave. Now don't forget this, now remember this. Last words are very important. I have the great privilege of taking my oldest son, Dayton, to kindergarten every morning. And every single day, the last thing I say to him before he leaves my presence, I say, Dayton, I love you. Remember, smile on your face, joy in your heart, witness for Jesus. Smile on your face, joy in your heart, Witness for Jesus. Every day I say this to him as I drop him off. I love you, Dayton. Remember, smile on your face, joy in your heart, witness for Jesus. The other day, just two days ago, I took Dayton to school, and he's learned how to unclip himself out of his booster seat, and so he's excited to do that all the time, and so he unclips himself, and before I can even get out of the car, Uh, he's hopped out and he's running around the side of the car. I open my door and he's right there. He throws his arms around me and he says, joy in my face, witness for Jesus, bye daddy. (laughs) It wasn't perfect, but it was close enough and I was a proud dad, amen? (laughs) Joy in my face, witness for Jesus. Smile on your face, Dayton. Joy in your heart, witness for Jesus. I say this to him every day because I want him to remember that. He's going to be out of my presence for the next however many hours. And while he's out of my presence, I want him to remember something very important, that he is a witness for Jesus. Six years old, he's a witness for Jesus, folks. Your kids are witnesses for Jesus. I saw a lot of kids up here. I hope we triple that amount of kids, amen? And not because I'm going to have them. (laughs) And when I say me, I mean my wife. We moved to our other church. We set an example by having three kids. We'll try to find some pastor at some point in time that'll have some kids for you and set an example for you all, but it's not gonna be me. But our kids are witnesses too. And so, but I share that with him because I want him to remember. If he remembers nothing else from me on that day, I want him to remember that. Those are the last words I share with him in his presence. Smile on your face, joy in your heart, witness for Jesus. Jesus' final statement, believe it or not, was not to directly correct his followers' eschatological error. He doesn't say, hey, let me straighten you out on this whole idea. Let me, let me lay out the points of, of eschatology for you. Let, let us do a review of this again. We'll go back to what I shared with you that Matthew wrote about, and we're gonna review. No, he says you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He subtly corrects them. We'll see that in just a minute. But he doesn't spend a lot of time on that. It isn't the main thing Jesus is focused on. It isn't the one thing he wants them to remember right before he goes up into heaven. No, Jesus wants to take the disciples' attention off of the restoration of Israel and to refocus them on the mission and the calling of the church. That is his point. To be witnesses for Jesus. That is the last big idea that Jesus makes. It is what he wants to make sure sticks in their brains. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want that to stick in your brain, and boom, he's gone. Y'all, that is the great theme of the book of Acts, witnessing for Jesus but beyond the book of Acts that is the great theme of who the church is called to be today witnesses for Jesus period that is your calling that is my calling I don't care if you're a trash collector I don't care if you're a plumber I don't care if you're a doctor or a nurse I don't care if you you work as an administrator within the church our primary calling first and foremost is to be witnesses for Jesus it's the last thing that he said to the people on this earth in their physical presence before he left, be a witness for Jesus, nothing else. We are not called to have nice music, that is a bonus and can be a benefit to our witness for Jesus. We are not called to have a nice school, that is a bonus and can be a witness, and can be a bonus to our witness for Jesus. We are not called to have the greatest understanding of eschatology, we, we like that as Adventists, we know what is to take place at the end of time. But that's not our primary calling. Our primary calling is to be witnesses for Jesus. Jesus is our calling, period. The disciples asked the question, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus redirected their attention from the restoration of Israel to the calling of the church. Their question hints of a desire for power, right? I mean, that's really what they're saying. When when they're asking, are you gonna restore the kingdom of Israel at this time, they're saying we are going to be in power. That's what they're saying. I gotta remember to look over here. I'm not used to people sitting over here on this side. Hello, everyone over there. I don't want to get distracted because it's so beautiful outside there. I'll just remember it's cold and I won't look there too much. Their question hints of a desire for power. The assumption being if Jesus sets up a kingdom here, we'll be the ones in charge. Jesus wants them to understand the promise of power is not about a position, but about the power to witness. It's about the power to witness. It is not for us exclusively. Has anyone ever in here prayed for the Holy Spirit? Have you ever said, Lord, please fill me with the Holy Spirit, anyone ever prayed for that? Just go ahead and raise your hands. Be Pentecostal for a minute. Do we know what we are praying for when we do that? Do we understand that that we're praying that Jesus will make us witnesses for him? The purpose of the Holy Spirit is, is so that we can do the job that we were given to do. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to make us feel warm and fuzzy inside. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not just so that we can feed our own brains with an abundance of knowledge. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is so that we will do the job that he gave us to do. That the Holy Spirit will lead us to be witnesses. I pray for the Holy Spirit, but why do I pray for him to, to, just so I can feel warm and fuzzy? Folks, I want us to listen to a couple of quotes. Because some people are praying for the Holy Spirit. They pray for the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Churches pray for the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. They say, we've been praying for the Holy Spirit for so many years. Why do we not see the evidence of the Holy Spirit? Why do we not see the, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit? Could it be, folks, that it, because when we pray for the Holy Spirit, we're not then willing to do what the Holy Spirit wants us to do and the purpose for the, why we are to pray for the Holy Spirit? I want you to listen to a couple quotes, y'all. These are powerful, powerful quotes. Testimonies to the Church, volume six, page 90. Listen to this, hold on, here it comes. This is some great writing here. The Holy Spirit will come to all, and then listen to this, will come to all who are begging for the bread of life. But listen to this last part. To give to their neighbors. Who are begging for the bread of life to give to their neighbors. Now I hope that each one of you, when you study the word of God, you open it up and you say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Fill my mind, teach me your word. I pray that each one of you do that. But it's not to just teach me the word so that I can know more, so that I can be smarter, so that I can win a debate, so that I can know what I'm gonna say in the Sabbath school lesson. No. The Holy Spirit will come to all who are begging for the bread of life to give to their neighbors. Lord, I open my word today and I ask you to teach me, not so that I can know more, but because I wanna share with my neighbor how amazing and wonderful you are. The Holy Spirit will come on all those who are begging for the bread of life for their neighbor. I've been praying for the Holy Spirit for years. I've been asking for the Holy Spirit in our church. I've been asking for the... For what purpose is it because you want to share with your neighbors how much Jesus loves them and how much he cares about them? That is why we have the Holy Spirit. What about this quote? Listen to this. When we have entire, entire wholehearted consecration to the service of Christ, God will recognize the fact by an outpouring of his Spirit without measure. But this will not be while the largest portion of the church are not laborers, together with God. It's not gonna happen until we're already made that decision. We are gonna be a church that are laborers with God. Not just laboring about the things of God, but laborers with God to seek and to save the lost. The disciples wanted to know about the power for their gain, but Jesus redirected them to realize the power is for the service of witnessing, not for them, but for others. The disciples were focused on, on something for their own kind. People like them, they were, they were inward focused. What they sought was, was what would make them happy. Lord, is it now that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Is it at this time that you're gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? They wanted their nation to be stronger and their nation to be more powerful and their nation to be, to be the leaders once again. They wanted people like us. They wanted to reach people like themselves. Jesus redirected them to see that their calling was not about them. It was not to be an inward focused mission. The church that is inward focused is actually no church at all. It's just a country club. The church that is inward focused is not a church. It is a country club. The Christian that is not outward focused, is not a member of a church. They're simply a golfer that pays dues. It was not about people just like them. Jesus answered, you shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem. Okay, that is national, we can deal with that. To all Judea, okay, we're, we're comfortable with that. Samaria, wait a second, God, wait a second. Until the ends of the earth. Now, now you're talking about Rome. Now you're just trifling, Lord, and I don't like that. Jesus is helping them to understand the calling of the church is not about what the folk inside the church want. What trumps everything is what we are doing for those outside the church. What trumps everything is what we are doing for out, those outside the church. That is our Calling. Our calling as church members is not to say, what do we want in here? Our calling is to say, how do we get them out there into here, into the body of Christ? The church we are called to be is a church that is witnessing, and oh, how desperately is the need for the church to witness in these days, in this day and age. We live in the shadow of the General Conference. I'm about to move into the shadow of the General Conference. Many of you have lived in the shadow for a number of years. And it may become easy to be lulled into thinking that there is no need for our witness because we're so often around so many people that are just like us. I think it was Russell Burrow who once uh, shared the, the, the statistic that within four years of an individual becoming a Seventh-day Adventist, they have zero significant relationships outside of the Seventh-day Adventist church. Within four years. We're oftentimes, oh, you're like me. Okay, let's hang out. Let's do, let's do this thing together. Within four years... It's easy to become lulled into thinking that there is no need for our witness. You guys have so many churches around here. I've never seen, I mean, I grew up in Loma Linda and I still haven't seen as many Adventist churches as you all have. I mean, you guys got so many churches around here and not only the Adventist churches, but, but man, you guys have all these churches up and down this row. This is church row. You got a beautiful golf courses and churches. I'm in heaven here, man. I think it's a, it's a tiny piece of heaven right here on New Hampshire Avenue. It's easy to be lulled into thinking, well, everybody's already connected. But folk, I would dare say that the 1,400, or 4,709 people living in Montgomery County, if you took all the attendance in all the churches in Montgomery County, both Sunday and Sabbath-keeping churches, I'm pretty sure the attendance would not add up to 1,004,709 people. And I guarantee you there are not that many Adventists. Now you may be the special church that always has 100% of your membership in attendance, is that you guys? (laughs) Or are you like the rest of us at the kind of 40% mark? You know we have these astronomical membership statistics. Someone told me today, this morning, that there are 150,000 former Adventists in this area. Are you kidding? If that number's even close, shoot, if it's 150, we gotta do something, but 150,000, we got a work to do. Woo, it's gonna be fun. Anyways, in Howard County, there are 299,430 people, and I believe that it is safe to say that all 299,430 people are not walking with Jesus as we speak. In Prince George's County, there are 881,138 people living there, and I'm pretty sure that not all 881,138 people will bow the knee to Jesus tonight in thanks to him. Right here, even in the shadow of the General Conference, even with all these churches, we can so easily be lulled into institutionalism, but there is a mighty work for us to do, and there is need of a church, a church that will make their top priority the calling of Jesus to be his church, His. To, to be his witnesses in this world. There is need of a church like that. I recently heard about four polling companies that got together to get a, a true picture of the Christian landscape in the, this nation. <clears throat> two, of the polling, uh, companies were, two of the polling companies were uh, Christian and two of them were secular because they didn't want to be accused of any bias. And so they did this poll together. These four polling companies did this poll together. And they set up the poll at the basic, the most uh, basic level of Christianity. One, salvation is through Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. And there's no other way to be saved except through Jesus. The second one is the authority of the word of God, that the, that the word of God has authority over my life. And the third one is I believe in the regular fellowship of believers. Those three things were, were the poll, these three points. Salvation through Jesus and Jesus alone, the authority of scripture, the, the gathering of believers together, the attendance of church. And these four pollsters, when they put their numbers together, they found that only 7.2% of the United States under these very basic qualifications could be defined as Christians in our country. 7.2%. Y'all, that to me, looks like we have quite a mission field still to reach, no matter where you're at, and no matter how many Adventist churches or churches there are. Jesus is calling on his church, his last day church, to rise up and become witnesses. Jesus' last command should be our first concern. You shall be my witnesses. We must become who we are called to be, Jesus' witnesses. The disciples stood staring up into heaven. Verse 10 tells us, and while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. These were angels, y'all. Verse 11, the angels spoke, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. I find that question that the angels ask to be a little off-putting, a little kind of insensitive. Why do you stand here looking into heaven? I mean, think about that question. Jesus has just gone up there. Why do you think we're looking into heaven? I mean, I hate goodbyes. Anybody else hate goodbyes? I am so bad at goodbyes. It takes me forever to say goodbye. If you ever get on the phone with me, just hang up on me, because it may take a while for me to say goodbye. I I hate goodbyes. This last several weeks, several months in Visalia has been absolute torture for my soul. Uh, I remember Robert Ursay slipped out in 1984 in the middle of the night and took the Baltimore Colts with him. I'd like to do the same thing, just disappear and just end up suddenly in Silver Spring, Maryland. No more goodbyes. I'm horrible at goodbyes. I'd be one of those people that just be standing there watching, watching, waiting, looking up there. But there's an implication to their question. There's two things they say. They ask them, why do you stand looking up into heaven? Don't you know that Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he will come back in like manner. First of all, the thing that they share with us there is a promise. They make the promise that Jesus is coming back. As Seventh-day Adventists, can we say amen to that? I hope so, we built our, our one of, it's one of the foundations of our church. That Jesus is coming back. They say, hey look, Jesus went up in this way, he's coming back in like manner. You can be assured of that. So why are you standing here? You have a mission, now get back to Jerusalem and start your mission. That's the implication I see in this question. Why are you standing here? He told you that if he goes, he's coming back. Don't just stand here gazing, you've received your mission, you've received your calling, now go and do it. Now go and do it. Folks, there's a lot of us, They look wistfully towards heaven. Oh man, I love to look at Orion's belt. Anyone else ever look at Orion's belt? Few of you, more of you need to read the writings of Mrs. White. (laughs) I think we have someone in the White Estate here, right? In this church. I can't wait to hang out there. Oh man, I'm excited to go hang out at the White Estate. You'll get annoyed with me. Sorry, ADD, I got distracted. But we spend so much time looking. Man, we have so many conversations about Jesus coming and when's he gonna come and debating the times in which we live and all of these things. Folks, we know he's coming back. Our mission isn't to know that he's coming back. Folks, we have knowledge about the way in which he'll come back. Our primary mission and calling isn't to spend time just talking about that. Our calling, our mission is not to know that he's coming back, but to actually tell people that he is coming back. This is the church that we are called to be, and this is the church that we will be. A church that that will tell people every single day, Jesus is coming soon and he's coming for you. That's the church we will be. That's the church we are called to be. A church that is known for its witness. I want everybody, when they think of the Spencerville Church, to say, man, that church is changing the world with their witness. That's the first thing I want people to think about when they think about our church. Do you see how on fire they are for Jesus? That's all they think about, is how can we reach one more for Jesus? Brothers and sisters, you will hear me beat this drum till we are all witnesses, why? Because when I was 18 years old, a miserable kid in my sin, several people decided that they were going to leave the safety of their group, that they were gonna leave the safety of the church, and they were gonna actually be the church. They were gonna leave the safety of their friends, and they were gonna approach this kid that was that was openly, against God, that openly denounced the things of God and the things pertaining to God. And they were going to come and witness to me. And because they were witnesses, because they were the church that they were called to be, I stand here before you today with a wife and three kids that are in love with Jesus and a family that wants to serve him, even if it means leaving California and coming to cold Maryland. No longer a man miserable in sin, but a sinner saved by grace because someone chose to be the church and a witness for me. And because of that, because of that, Jesus has placed it on my heart that for the rest of my life, I will be that witness for somebody else. And many of you are in here today because someone chose to be a witness for you and because you responded to that witness, it is now your responsibility to go out and to be witnesses for someone else, to let them know that Jesus lived for them, that he died for them, that he's coming back for them, to let them know that Jesus loves them. Because someone did it for me, I must go and now do likewise for someone else. The church is called to be a witnessing church. But in order to be a witnessing church, the people within the church, the individuals, must accept as their personal calling to be witnesses for Jesus. I wanna invite you at this time to take out these cards. They were in your bulletins. If you didn't get one, I want you to raise your hand up high, raise your hand up high, and the deacons will get one to you. Deacons, if you could just stand real quick right now and make sure these get into people's hands. I see a couple deacons over here. Deacons, just come and hustle down. Raise your hand high. I want everyone to have one of these connection cards here. I want to give you the opportunity to respond today. I want to give everybody the opportunity to respond. On the front of the card there is some information. You can go ahead and feel that out right now. <clears throat> on the back side, though, is what I want us to focus on. Sorry, my voice is going out. It's going to bed at 12.45 and getting up at 5.00 in the morning. But there's two boxes there, and I actually wanna start with the uh, I'm interested in box, which is on uh, the right hand box. I'm interested in beginning a relationship with Jesus. I wanna bring that one up because there might be someone in here that's been sitting here the whole time, and they said, you know what? I decided to show up at this church today, and I don't know what you're talking about at all. Well folk, you may be that person that we needed a witness to today and hopefully someone has done that for you. And if you're interested in knowing more about Jesus, knowing more about the one that can radically change your life, knowing more about the only one that can truly give you a smile on your face and joy in your heart, if you wanna know about that person, we'd love to connect with you and I wanna invite you to check that box, beginning a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you've never been baptized, you're sitting here, you're like, well, I'm not technically a member so I'm not responsible for this, I've never been baptized, you need to be baptized, check that box, you want more. Maybe this is your first time at the Spencerville Church and you're looking for a new church. Hey, it's my first Sabbath too, let's all join together. I'm turning in one of these afterwards, I want information on joining the church, on becoming a member of the church. So. Uh, Information on church membership, I'm actually gonna really do that right now so I don't forget. I need to get that transferred, there we go. Serving on a team, receiving Bible says, we would love to connect with you. But everybody, no matter if you're a member or not a member, we can go to the next step today. My next step today is, that first one is pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna hear me beat that drum a lot too, about prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that it is what's gonna drive us, it's what's gonna move us, it's what's gonna change the world is when God's people get together and decide they really wanna get serious about praying. So we believe in the power of prayer. But pray for the, for the Holy Spirit, and maybe do so not in the way that we've done, but pray for the Holy Spirit with the idea that the reason why I'm praying for the Holy Spirit is because I wanna be a witness that Jesus called me to be. Next one is pray for God to open my eyes to opportunities to witness. You know, there are so many opportunities for us to witness on a daily basis that we miss out on because our eyes are are closed to these things. But but God calls us to be witnesses and he wants us to look for those opportunities to be a witness. Yesterday I was sitting on the tarmac and, and like I said, I'm not the most patient of people. I'm quite intense. I just wanna to apologize to my future staff, my current staff, I guess I'm the pastor right now. I apologize, Mark, I'm intense. Uh, I love you, just love me. Uh, Marilyn, I'm intense. I, I, I'll, I'll try to always be patient, but I can be intense. But, but I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, oh man, I've gotta get this flight to Baltimore. And it's because, the reason why I was so paranoid about Baltimore, is because all of you guys told me I was a fool for flying into Dulles last time. And uh, so I was like, I'm gonna make sure I get to Baltimore. And guess where they sent me after I missed my flight to Baltimore? Dulles! <laughs> Jesus wants me in Dulles. But I was praying, I was saying, God, help me to, Look for the opportunity. I know that you have a, this delay for a purpose. So give me the opportunity. Give me the opportunity. Give me the opportunity, Lord. Help me to help me to keep my eyes open for the opportunity. And I got the opportunity right here. This lady by the name of Melissa. I want you all to pray for Melissa, Melissa Stevens. Write that name down and start praying for Melissa Stevens. I invited her to our church, and she's going to come someday, I believe, by the faith, by the grace of God. But Melissa, she has a sister in Olney, and she has a number of friends here in Silver Spring. She lives in D.C., but, but. Um, I invited her to church and we got into a conversation. I sat down next to her and I said, if I fall asleep and start snoring, go ahead and elbow me. My wife said, I've started snoring the last two nights and I don't know what's going on with me, so feel free to elbow me. She kind of looked at me weird and I said, hi, my name's Chad. And, uh, and the conversation went from there and we talked about this church and we talked about uh, Jesus and we talked about God and how, she says, how on earth does somebody decide to leave California? And I said, well, you know, God does miracles, so that's what we do. Um, Folks, I tease about Maryland, but you can read from my bio. This is always where I wanted to live. Um, And then when God actually told me, I thought, are you crazy? But but I love it here. I love it. I'm so excited to be here. But pray for God to open your eyes for opportunities to witness, because God will put those opportunities before you, and you'll be shocked by them, and you'll be so blessed by them and invigorated by them. Memorize Acts chapter 1-8 as a reminder of who my church and I are called to be. Put that in your brain so that whenever you're walking around, you'll remember, you'll remember, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and the purpose of that power is that you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Folks, we still got to go to the ends of the earth. We still got to go to Jerusalem. We still got to go to Judea and Samaria. We want to be that church that not just reaches locally, but that reaches globally. It's one of the things that excites me about this church is some of you are already out there doing this global work and I'm so excited to learn from you and to, 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 to be a witness of what God's doing through each one of you. So memorize Acts 1:8, And then finally, I will witness to, and if there's someone's name that pops into your brain right now, I want you to write that person's name down. And I'm asking you to turn in these cards, not just as a, as a, as a general exercise, but I will pray and I will have people praying for every single name that you put down and every single one of you that turns in a card, that God will use you to be mighty witnesses. As you leave today, the deacons will have offering plates at the back door, you can turn them in there at that time or you can turn them in out at the welcome center, what's been known as the hospitality desk, I'm gonna call it a welcome center because we wanna be welcoming. But out at the welcome center, you can turn the card in there or at the back doors. But go ahead, turn those in and we'll be in prayer for you. You can take some time to fill those out right now. Emily Flores is going to sing for us and she's going to sing this song that, that, that I pray will touch each one of our hearts. That'll remind us that because the grace of God is ours, we will be willing to go anywhere where God calls us, to do anything God calls us to do, if only for one reason, that his name can be better known and he can be better loved in this world. So let us... Listen to her and let us sing together at the right points.